Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver, founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass. And with me is my co-host, Kate Toon. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I am the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success. Today, we're talking to Amy Harrison. Now, Amy Harrison is a well-known UK copywriter. She's a copywriting coach, a keynote speaker at marketing events all around the world. You might have seen her also guest posts on mega sites like Copy Blogger, Duct Tape Marketing, and our very own Pro Blogger, for he is ours, right? And you might have also heard her on her podcast, Hit Publish. Oh, and there's a YouTube channel as well. So she sure gets about, and today we're going to be picking her brains about copywriting, content, and storytelling in modern marketing. Hey, Amy, thanks so much for joining us on Hot Copy. Did we miss anything from that intro? <laughs> um, I don't I don't think so. First of all, thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, I've tried a lot of things um, in the past, lots of different channels and speaking and writing. I've always struggled to make up my mind about what I want to do. So as a kid, I was the one with a lunch pass for every single club from basketball to gospel choir. So yeah, I do get around a bit. I just can't say no to things. <laughs> I, know. I know that feeling. Um, <laughs> but you originally trained as a screenwriter. So why the hell did you become a copywriter? Yeah, well, the, there was more of an overlap than it seemed at the time of finishing my training. So after spending three years training as a screenwriter, uh, I, I made the decision that I didn't want to be a screenwriter anymore. But um, that, that's quite some niche training. Um, and I wasn't sure what to do with it. So I upped and moved to Canada for a year to go and de I decided I didn't want to write anything ever because I, you were just for three years I was just on this conveyor belt of writing script after script after script um and it all got a bit much went to Canada forgot about writing came back to the UK and got a job working for a small group of private investors they were basically a bunch of um entrepreneurs and they were buying and selling online businesses and I was working with them to sort of help turn the business around. So I would write a lot of content for new websites. I would put together presentations to make the business attractive to investors. Um, and I love that. I, I really love the business aspect of it. I like the whole buying and selling. And I liked working on a business to improve it and then hand it over. But after a while, I got the writing itch and found that my love of business writing that I'd been doing converged with my my original love of sort of storytelling and creative writing. And so I just, I decided that I wanted something that was mine, that I could build and that I could own. And so I decided that I wanted to go and be a writer. And I just started really writing, I, I just writing content and articles for websites. And, you know, my, my business plan was would someone pay me to write? That was it. I wish I'd maybe had a bit more of a plan. Um, and I just figured it out from there. And so I went from, you know, content writing and then that moved into sales copy and marketing copy. And for me, it's, it's the best of both worlds because with copywriting, it's creative. Um, so it, it sort of scratches that itch for me. But there's this science there. You know, every line's got to be justified. It's got to be doing something. It can't just be a case of, oh, I really like how that sounds. That's quite a cool line that I'll stick in there. I think that's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Can't you do that? Mm -hmm. 
But I think, um, I mean, Kate and I have both worked different careers before we became copywriters and I think a lot of the copywriters we talk to have done the same thing. And I think in an earlier podcast, we've talked about that, you know, are you too young or old to become a copywriter and what do you do before you become a copywriter? And most of the people we know have transitioned, maybe not taken the same journey, but fallen into copywriting through doing other things. And I think Kate and I both agree that that, previous life you have brings so much richness to mm. your life as a copywriter. Yeah, de- definitely. And one, one of the things as well that, funnily enough, it's exactly the same as script writing because I was trained in the, you know, the art of telling a story. I knew when plot points should happen. I knew how a narrative should go. I knew how characters should be developed. But you've also got to live a bit. You've got to go out and find stories to tell. And I think that if you do have... Um, if you've got experience in a different lifestyle, in a different job, whether, you know, traveling or meeting new people, that will only help your copy because it does give it this richness and it gives it a lot of depth. You know, you've got a lot more that you can draw upon as inspiration for or starting points for your copy. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, for all the time you did copywriting, then you, you're making career transitions. Uh, Kate and I are in a similar boat where, you know, we've, we've both got some courses. We're now doing podcasts. Kate does some keynotes and stuff like that. So I wonder if you can talk us through that career change, you know, from copywriting, life after copywriting into coaching and speaking and stuff like that. Did that happen all at once or was there a transition? A, a total transition, and it was a complete step-by-step evolution. And again, I would love to say, oh, this was my long-term plan. Year one, I was going to do this, and year two, I was going to do that. But that would be a total lie. Um, you know, in the past, basically, when I first started, I rarely said no to anything. So I was very open to offers and requests and and just opportunities to try something new. And I think that copywriters do tend to be inquisitive and and open to to new things so basically i i actually started like i say when i was just thinking would someone pay me to write and i was just doing articles mostly for seo and i was also writing business reports for mining company like the mining industry so i was doing business monitor international reports which even though technically it fit that would people pay me to write something? It was rubbish. It was just the dullest writing ever. Like each report I had to do required so much research and it was just like going to this black hole for a couple of days. So then you start you start evolving and the, the thing that I have always done and it's just habit is I'm constantly checking in with myself and saying, you know, am I happy? So it's like, okay, yes, you're writing for a living, but am I happy? You know, what what kind of things do I want to write? Right, that's the next stage. Can I find people who will pay me to do that? And then you'll, I just found naturally that different opportunities arose. So people would approach me and ask, could you coach me? Could you teach me to do this? Or companies would say, can you come in and train us for a day and teach our team how to how to blog on, or how to write copy or how to write marketing copy? Um, and I just always said yes. I was just like, yeah, why not? If it was something that I felt I was interested in. And the, this process of constantly checking in has probably been the biggest influence in my choices. So you know, I'd try something and if I liked it, then I would look for more opportunities to do that. So I love to speak. So any opportunity to do so, put myself forward for that. I'll absolutely go for. Um, and 
I think as you go through this, it's sort of you're sort of feeling things out. You're feeling, you know, what am I good at? What do I get a good response at? But also what do I love? And that tends to narrow your interest. So I feel like at the moment I'm at a part of my career where I could probably now start putting a more, more of a long-term plan together because I've experimented with lots of different things. And I know that I really like this stuff. This stuff that I do gets a really good response. And this is the thing that I'm keen to sort of grow in the, in the future. Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree. I think that Belinda and I are both at a similar point. We sort of dipped our toes into so many ponds. We've narrowed down yeah. the number of ponds or something. That's not a very good analogy, but you know what I mean. No, that's, it, it's totally true. <laughs> like, so at the moment, one of my clients now is, um, he's a, he's a, he's a very well-known, uh, trainer in in agile software development so flexible software development where they're constantly going back and forth to evolve a product and i was i was re- researching this because i didn't know a lot about agile development and i just thought oh that's great you know, i haven't actually just been winging my career step by step i've just been using an agile development framework you know just awesome. constantly going back and forth i love that reverse justification now you've got yeah. a you should have said that at the beginning and pretended you had this agile career. We'd have believed you in everything. Well, from now on, this is well. Yes. This is what I'll be talking about: <laughs> my that's agile development career, rather than just random choices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds so much more grown up. But I mean, that all sounds very uh, serendipitous and, and and lovely. But um, have you had any? Have you have you made any mistakes? Are there any ponds you wish you hadn't dipped your toe in, or any challenges you'd faced along the way? Yeah, definitely. So there was, uh, I, I, I went through a period a couple of years back. I was doing a lot of training for businesses and I was getting a lot of word of mouth referrals and I was getting to travel through throughout Europe. Um, you know, I was seeing all these different countries that I'd never had chance to go and visit. Um, you know, Bulgaria, Stockholm and doing all these, um, training workshops and I absolutely loved it. And so I decided, Oh yeah, this is this is the life for me. I'm going to be a corporate copywriting <laughs> trainer like that. And so I spent I spent a good few months totally changing my website, totally redoing. Uh, in fact, I stumbled upon a load of supporting documents of this is your ideal client. This is your you know it's the CEO of this and da 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 da. And um, and then I what I realized is that actually I didn't want to go and pitch companies all the the work that I got at workshops were people and companies that really wanted to work with me because of the things that they'd see me do because they'd seen me online they'd see me do a webinar um which meant they were fantastic people to work for because they were already sold on the idea of one they wanted to learn copywriting and two they were really keen they liked the stuff that I did yeah. Flipping that round and then thinking, yeah, I'm just going to pitch corporates because all I need is so many a month and I'll do this. It was just miserable. Like I think the yeah. first the first sort of one that I got and I learned very quickly is that you you tend to be pitching HR managers and, and the, there's nothing wrong with that, except that they usually have a remit of we need to offer this kind of training. And I was getting I was getting to places where you know, you would be faced with 15 people who didn't want to be there. They had no interest in copywriting. They've just been told by their company, you've got to go through and sit this, sit this training. And sometimes they were told, you've got to go through and sit this training because your writing is rubbish. So how happy were they to oh, see me awesome. turn up? 
Yeah, I think it makes a a big difference, doesn't it, when someone comes to you from a place of sort of joy and admiration than other than kind of forceful and insult. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Just pure hostility. And so I did a couple of those and I thought, yeah, exactly. And I just thought, oh, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Let's let's tussle for the next eight hours. This will be fun. Um, And so I realized that actually, no, I it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the medium of I want to do corporate workshops. It was I want to attract clients um, that really want to work with me and want to invest in my time. And and I was I was doing that process anyway by because content marketing, um, you know, and demonstrating that you know what you're talking about and increasing the exposure and visibility that you have attracts those kind of people. Yeah, exactly. You just do what you do and people come to you. Well, that's the dream. But I guess you have to, you know, you have to try these things out to really lock it down and go, yep, no, that's definitely not what I want to do. And you really (laughs) locked in your ideal customer then in a much, um, a much more affirming and solid way than some of us, you know, when we start off in business or we start off in a new venture, we go, well, I think this is kind of the person that I want to work with. But, you know, you, you nailed it. (laughs) You definitely closed that avenue off. Absolutely. And, and the thing, I, I think, for particularly for new copywriters as well is that you're told to okay sit down and choose your niche and and highlight your ideal customer I still am learning about what my ideal customer looks like with every client I take on board I think oh I really like that they behaved in this way and you're looking for commonalities and also in the same in the same um, respect with customers that didn't work well I'm I'm also looking at why wasn't it that? And that was when I knew that, you know, HR managers was not the route for me to go in order to, to offer training. And so you can't, you can't just pin this stuff down with pen and paper in 30 minutes. You've unfortunately got to go through um, a lot of process of working with different people. And again, it's just that constant evolution. Yeah, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs, basically. That's how I like Absolutely. to put it. And the thing is, I think as well, you don't have to decide on any particular permanent frog. You know, you don't have to kind of go, this is my only frog. I'm only going to do this. Like I find that I, you know, I enjoy a bit of training. Then I get a bit sick of it and I enjoy a bit of copy and then I get a bit sick of that. And then I do a bit of this. And, you know, I think that's the joy to a degree that you can kind of do do a little bit of everything as well. I mean, that that might just be me. <laughs> no, I, and I'm glad you said that because I because you can sometimes feel like, oh, should I just be cranking out copy for a, a very narrow niche? And and for me, that just, I, I could do it. I, I could be a very busy, nonstop writing copywriter with the, you know, with RSI to prove it. Um, <laughs> but I like that variety. I love training. Yeah. I love the teaching because it, you, 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 it flips a switch in your mind and you have to, you have to think, okay, this is the process I use. How do I teach that? And how do I explain why? And it's it's a different it's a it's a different aspect of your copywriting career. But for me, I wouldn't I like that variety. I wouldn't want to do just one thing because I think to train you also need to be writing because you need to be yeah. staying current and you need to constantly think, oh, why do I do that? Oh, that's why, and then be able yeah. to teach it. My, my my accountant keeps on saying to me, you know, that if you just stop doing all this other stuff and just write copy, you'd actually be really, really well off. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, it'd be boring. So, yeah. Yeah, 
the same, aren't you, Belinda? You like to... Yeah. Do bits and bobs, different things. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the the happiness check-in that you mentioned early, Amy, um, earlier, Amy, is something that I've started doing more in the last few years um, because I was personally getting a little bit burnt out with just writing copy all the time mm-hmm. and I just created a job for myself um, and I wasn't a very nice boss to myself. <laughs> to be honest. And, and so I've made a switch and so I've got courses now and, and a bit more variety and started doing a bit of video marketing and just mixing things up. And it's fun, which means I've got a lot more interest in keep on doing it and learning about it. And then just doing a bit of copy now and then means I really enjoy it when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, I've spoken to other copywriters who have hit the exact same mark and I know that I've done it in the past where you you're writing a lot of copy and but and and I I used to do this when I used to do this little check and I used to think I've got so many clients I've got so many projects on the go and you get to a point where you're on this might just be me but I'd be writing this copy it'd be for my client and I'd be thinking I want to do something for me like I want to because I feel like I'm constantly creating this this great content and then I'm handing it over again. And so this is where I thought, right, well, I wanted to develop my own sort of course. And the copy that I write for that is is me and it's working to serve me and to create my own sales. Um, so I think you do reach that saturation point where, where yes, you could you could do it. You could constantly be filled up, but it, it feels a bit like a job where um, – Past building an, a lovely looking portfolio, it feels a little bit like trading time for money. Oh, that's how it did for me, rather than building something that was really, truly mine. Yeah, that, I think yeah, that's I an think excellent point. Yeah, you reach a tipping point, I think, where there's only so many more logos you can fit on your page. And <laughs> yeah. I remember my developer saying to me, we're going to have to split this testimonial page into six pages because it won't load anymore. And then I was like... <laughs> You know, it sounds really arrogant, but what, what it meant was I'd, I'd, I'd done in, I'd proven my point. Do you know what I mean? And maybe it was yeah. time to try something a bit different and, and uh, you know, refresh your batteries. And I, and I think it's the same. Almost you do get to a point where your copywriting for clients becomes your day job and yeah. your projects become these awesome hobbies and exciting new business startups that you're and they're your own babies. You know, you're not constantly handing your babies away to other people. I'm, I'm a big fan of the analogy tonight. Oh, no, I've done my ponds, I've done my babies. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Belinda, over well, to you. It segues quite nicely into what I'm really interested in as well is staying creative because, you know, we're all we're all in, in the ponds, we're kissing our frogs and all that kind of stuff. But how do you avoid the burnout when you're doing your videos and your podcasts and your coaching and your speaking and your writing? Do you just manage your workload in order to keep your batteries refreshed like that or, or do you have specific activities that you do? How do you do that? Uh, I think for me, it has been narrowing down to mediums that I really enjoy, um, that, that I really enjoy working on. So whether it be um, speaking or podcasts or video, um, each of them I'm using as sort of a, a, a slightly different approach uh, just to think about, you know, what, what, what is going to engage people? Um, what do I, I mean, you know, I like to put quite a bit of humor into the content that I create and that in itself is just a challenge of, okay, here's the point that I want to make. Now, can I find, like, can I find a humorous way of, of saying it? Um, and, and, and I know this probably sounds like a bit of a cop-up, but I just find that the, 
creativity, the more you force yourself to think of new ideas, the more those ideas tend to come. And then what you, what I find happens as well is that I will get ideas in between, um, in between things that I'm working on. And I just make sure that I've got ways of capturing those ideas. So from pen to paper to different documents, so like here's a great idea for Amy TV or here's something that I found a little bit absurd. I wonder if I can work it my way, work it into something um, just to sort of get that release of, of here's something that I find funny and like to share it. Um, hmm. But I, and I think, uh, I think consuming things as well, you know, you've got to feed your creativity. So I don't read as much fiction as I would like to I mean I used to I used to always read I used to be the I used to walk with a book and was just constantly walking into things but I could not I always had a book on the go um and I, I at the moment Netflix is a big creative source for me like I just devour I fa- I'm totally fascinated by human interactions and I think that I think that's a, a trait of copywriters is that we are curious and i think curiosity breeds creativity because we like to watch and learn and and see what's happening and look for stories and look for angles and i think that if you've got a mind that does that um the next step is to try and get a little bit of discipline around that and say okay let me think of some different ways to try and capture ideas that i can maybe use in my next blog post or podcast yeah i call that Sorry, I was just going to say, I was going to segue then into asking you what you're watching on Netflix. Oh, me too, me too. That that was such a good intro into the next question, because she's talking (laughs) about discipline. So can we remember to ask at the end? Yes. Okay, right, make a note. Somebody make a note, somebody. Um, Because you were sort of saying there that you need to kind of apply discipline to creativity. So curiosity breeds creativity, but, you know, you need to have that discipline as well to actually make stuff happen. Otherwise you end up with just notepads full of blog ideas that never get done. So, you know, Belinda and I are quite big on on process and, you know, uh, especially for copywriters who are trying to, you know, get their business set up and, you know, work through clients and, you know, and and actually getting a process for their writing. So sitting down and making it happen. So, you know, did you have any kind of copywriting business processes or writing processes that you followed? Yeah, I definitely have a writing process. And it was funny because I was, I was sitting down thinking, I, I know I have a process because I know that every project feels like it goes through the same process. But I thought, OK, well, I'll I'll um, sit down and just jot down this process. And I realized that I, I use a, a lot of lists, lots of different lists. So uh, so if I get a client um, project on, uh, the first thing I do is just make a list of every material that I want to access or read or watch about the product. So I'll list, you know, the website, research materials that I can get from the client, testimonials, YouTube videos, everything. And I usually end up just with a huge, huge list of materials. And then I just work through that and handwrite any notes that jump out to me, anything where any themes, any language that customers tend to use, points customers tend to make. Um, And then on a separate list, I will have, I'll record any questions that I have for the client, any follow-up that has come from the materials or any further materials that I want to request from them. Um, And then work my way through that list. And then I'm going to look at the specific piece of copy that I'm writing. For example, if it's a landing page and focusing on the outline, um, focusing on, on the goal of that page. So for example, to get people to buy or to sign up. Um, and from the, the the first bit, just working through that materials, that 
that takes a huge chunk of time and I'll end up with reams and reams and reams and reams of notes. And this is something that when I'm training always freaks people out because they will say to me, oh, I think I've, you know, I'm only going to be writing a page worth of content, but I've got five pages worth of notes. And you have to try and say, that's really good because you're going to, the more notes you have at the research phase, uh, the, the, the better your copy will sound because you'll be able to look, browse and go, oh yeah, that, that jumps out to me rather than going and looking at half a page of notes and trying to extend that to a page worth of copy. So looking at, uh, looking at everything that I've sort of made notes on, then I try and start to get a little bit more structured about it. So, uh, looking at thinking about the customer and brainstorming topics around the customer, you know, what would be their motivation to achieve this goal? Why would they want to buy? Why would they want to sign up? What would give them confidence in signing up? What would make them hesitate? And again, putting these all sort of in separate lists of like hesitations, influences, um, and then I'll also have um, a document where I think, you know, what is absolute key information about the product that I need to include. So, you know, how many customers, how, how many years the company's been around, the credibility, the kind of dry facts that aren't that exciting necessarily as a, as a story angle, but you definitely want to have somewhere in the page. And then I finally stopped making lists and just think that's that's enough lists. And then you sort of get to reviewing the, the information you've pulled together. Then I'm just looking for some kind of angle or theme or idea, really just free thinking, um, you know, looking for a story, looking for something which I feel would um, encourage a customer or pique a customer's interest. Um, and this is all the good fun stuff. So then I'm just sort of brainstorming around ideas, jotting these down. And then you, I tend to find, you know, a natural structure sort of takes place depending on what I'm thinking of. And then this is, to me, this is all the fun, good stuff. This is just, this is like play to me. This is like putting your hands in clay and just sort of like squishing it around and, and seeing what you can make something. And then after that, I just procrastinate for a bit because I have all these great ideas and I know that the first draft is going to look like crap. Um, mm -hmm. And that always does stops. Yeah. And so I just there's always a moment um, where I think I don't want to do this. I don't want to see the crap. I want to have all these great ideas to my head. So the only way that I can get myself around that is to just start writing and not even think about it. I mean, I'll have a rough structure, but really my fingers are just vomit typing. They're just emp emptying everything out of my head. And I have to be okay with that and just say to myself, like, it's fine. No one ever has to see this. Your client never needs to know this garbage um, that you're just sort of putting down on the page. And then what I find happens is you go away you come back, you look at it and you go, actually, it's not crap. And it is just, it's just that next iteration of the copy. And from there you can edit and then it starts to be fun again. So the only bit that I honestly don't start enjoying is that moment between, okay, pen down of notes. Now you need to get something typed. But I think um, that all that preparation work, that's what makes all the difference. I know um, in my copywriting course, I'm always, there's, you know, that quote that says, ask a, you know, man to cut down a, a tree and they'll spend five days, four days sharpening the axe and one day cutting the tree. And, 
that's a really famous quote, but it just goes to prove that the more preparation you do, I find by doing all that research myself, um, making lots of notes myself and all that kind of stuff, I'm, my brain's already starting to kind of write the copy. Mm. I'm coming up with little lines. I'm coming, becoming familiar with the, with the customers and stuff like that. So that I find that first draft can be really quick, even if some sentences are like, something, something, finish this, this isn't that good, come back later. Um, yep. All that thought work I've done previously and all the research means that um, it can be quite quick. Yeah, and it, and yeah, it usually is. It usually, is pretty quick. And and I do that. I do that as well, where I will put something, and it'll be something as simple as like da da da, because this is really good. And then I'll put in brackets, you know, come back and make this better. You know, choose a better word. You know, don't just say something's really good. And and so it does. Uh, I I and I totally agree. Like you have to that research is where it happens like you can't and this is where in training as well you have to really emphasize that you can't leapfrog over this that you can't skip it and go straight to the page because well you could but what you're going to do is you're going to end up writing really vague ambiguous copy that sounds like everyone else and you're you're not going to get that depth and you're not going to be able to write in language that that connects with your end user in a way that says or makes them say, that sounds like me. That's exactly how I talk about my problem. And, and these are the aspirations that I have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've, we're going to come back to Netflix, but I want to talk to you about your, um, your YouTube videos because I've watched them um, well before I did any video marketing. And I have to admit that I found it quite intimidating to go, oh, is that what we have to do for video marketing? Because <laughs> it's clear, like, that's where your screenwriting background really comes in. They're funny. They're shot from all different angles. You've got different characters. Even on your podcast, you've got different little characters, and it's all you, but, you know, it's it's funny and it's really well thought out. But for copywriters thinking about video marketing, do you have any tips for them? Like, is it something that they should definitely do, or what advice could you give someone thinking about it? I, I love video and I think that video, even though more people are doing it, it, it's still a relatively new format that can set you apart from the competition. If you, even if you are simply giving a, a, a tip over two minutes, you know, that, that can, that can really boost your credibility and authority because it shows your end user, it shows your customer that you're making this effort to, um, you know, to, to make a video and to share this information. What I would say is to start small. If you, if you're thinking about doing video, start small, but start quickly. Um, you know, so don't try and create Moulin Rouge on your first attempt, because what you'll find is that starting small and starting quickly, you'll build confidence and you'll refine your style as you go. Um, you know, and just know that you will improve every video. You're going to get a little bit better. So don't let perfectionism stop you from shipping. I mean, my, my very first videos are, are different to the ones that I've did maybe, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but you, again, you can't leapfrog that process without making all the videos in between. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing that I would say is just remember that your, your motivation for doing video marketing is yes of course it is to sell your services but video can feel quite self-centric anyway because usually you are the focus of the video so what i would say is that if that makes you feel uncomfortable balance that out by giving a huge amount of value you know to your customer you know give them really good 
tips that they can take away and use and see and see results um, straight away. So focusing on them can make you feel more comfortable about being on camera and being in the spotlight. I think that's great advice. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think um, if you've found since doing a video, so I do, I do a few videos myself um, <laughs> and we have a podcast, but do you find that uh, the audiences are, are different and the, and the way that you approach each of the mediums is, is very different? Um, I, I, I don't honestly know. I, I don't, Yes, I think I approach um, them differently, but also also a little bit similar. So, for example, the the podcast, um, there are people who who will watch the videos, but maybe won't subscribe to the podcast just because uh, they they like something that's quickly accessible, um, and they like to read or they like video. And what what I try to do is because the videos are pretty short there's just a few minutes and they tend to be on the lighter side of, of content so yes there'll be a couple of tips but it's really there's a lot of humor and there's a lot of sort of skits around the content and I like to pair that with a blog post that goes into the content into a bit more depth to show that you know I do know what I'm I'm talking about and and also to make people feel like yep this is again the video is a, a light touch but if they want more information, if they want to take it further, they can read the blog. And I think the podcast is similar in that respect in that you've got a couple, uh, maybe a, two little sketches, but it'll be 15 minutes worth of content. So I put, uh, it's, it's the equivalent of, of like an audio blog post where I'll go into detail more, a little bit more. But, um, I, but I also know that the clients that come from both channels are very similar in that they tend to be great clients. They have been either watching the videos for a while, been listening to the podcast for a while. And again, they're invested in, they're really comfortable with working with me. They feel like they know me. That's something that, that people say a lot. Um, and it's a re it's really nice because you feel like you can, the the client relationship feels a lot further on rather than meeting someone from a standing start because they're keen, they're ready to go, and they they tend to just be a joy to work with. And I think there's something quite intimate about listening to people's voices and watching them and seeing their face. Like I know I feel I genuinely know the hosts of the podcast I listen to and it can be a bit weird when we meet in person and I'm very familiar with them. Um, but there, <laughs> there is, you know, you, your relationship has moved on a little bit when you've seen someone and heard their voice as opposed to just reading the blog post. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm because uh, I'm the same. Like I the the podcast that I listen to, I feel like they are I feel like I know them. And I know that that's the feedback that I get from people who meet me after either watching a video or um or or listening to a podcast. And and it's nice because it it also gives you something to chat about. Um you know, and gives you a bit of common ground to 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 go over like I say, it just moves that relationship on a little bit further. Absolutely. So in terms of um, the podcast you listen to maybe um, and the books you read, although you said that not as many as you'd like to, who inspires you? Because we often look at the people who come before us as sources of inspiration, but who inspires you? Um, so for podcasts, I love serial um so have you heard of serial it's, it's like one of the oh yeah most popular <laughs> yeah 
I just think I I don't know how I got into the first um, season of that, and then I was just hooked. And I think Sarah Koenig, her production team, they tell a story so well because it's atmospheric, but it's informative. Like quite often, it deals with. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of information and it's just gripping from the word go. So I absolutely love Serial. There's also a podcast which is um, actually based on a... uh, Over here we've got Radio 4 and they have a daily program called Woman's Hour, which is two female presenters and usually they talk about... It's not just women's issues, but they, they talk about a whole variety of issues and they get experts on. And it's very, I do feel like these presenters are my friends and this is how I learn about the world. Um, and I have to now stop myself from saying, oh, because on Woman's Hour, because it seems that whenever there's something current and I have an opinion, it always comes from Woman's Hour. And so I have to now pretend that I just have these opinions and I'm just very well versed in the so world. There's a, there's a podcast of Woman's Hour. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Because I've been listening to all the Radio 4 comedies, uh, like sort of back to back, you know, like, and uh, I didn't know that. That's I, I miss Radio 4 hugely. So uh, you've just made my day. Well, Thank you. Yeah, Woman's Hour, Woman's Hour and the Archers are my two favourite uh, podcasts. Can you get the Archers on podcast? You're kidding yes. me. No, yeah. It's the okay, only I'm way I would be able to listen to it. I've got to go. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love we listen to, my nice. husband and I listen to um, the BBC Radio 4 comedies and um, a lot of their science programming as well. I think just good programming. So, for example, so The Archers, for, if you don't know, it is this, it's set in a fictional rural England in a sort of an agricultural farming um, village and very little happens. It's 15 minutes, six days a week. And it's just done at a really slow, gentle pace. And that's what I love. And I think... I that has been one of my inspirations with my podcast because it's just lots of little characters just interacting very gently. Um, and so I love I love that. I love the Archers podcast. Um, in terms of writers, I love I'm really interested in, in quite in in sort of female screenwriters. Nora Ephron um, is one of my faves. So she's the, the lady who wrote When Harry Met Sally. And I wrote no, I, I wrote, I wish. Um, I, I read one of her books called I Forget Everything or something, which is like a little overlook of, of her sort of life. Like she's she's um, she passed away a, a few years ago. And I just love that she her story. She just got out there and wrote. I think she started off as a journalist um, and she just wrote and wrote and she wrote films that flopped, films that were a success. But she just kept writing. And I that really appeals to me is I find a lot of inspiration in people that just keep going and have that focus and keep trying and have that persistence um, to follow what they think they're interested in and to try and make something out of it. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, one, clearly one of your specialities with the videos that you create and, and, and everything you do really is, is the way that you bring a real story to what you do. And, you know, these days we're all told that content marketing is all about the story. But how, what tips could you give for, for maybe new copywriters who are trying to work out how to incorporate storytelling into day-to-day copywriting? Well, yeah, I, I, it's it's really important, and, and a lot of businesses are getting very interested in storytelling. And it's going to sound quite glib, but I think first you have to understand what makes a good story. Um, and and that for me was where script writing training was very useful in being able to articulate what makes a good story. I mean, as a kid, I loved films, I loved fiction, 
I was always, I was constantly absorbing storytelling, but then actually sitting down and studying the hero's journey, what makes a good film script, what makes a strong pace, what makes good characters, what makes something drag. Um, that, that training was very good for me, but if you, um, if you can just pick up on examples of good stories. So, okay, you, you know, you don't necessarily have to know the hero's journey in order to be able to tell a good story. So I'm just constantly evaluating films as I watch them, um, um, you know, you know, TV shows, TV as, shows I watch them. as I watch them. A lot of it as well comes down to knowing what motivates people, knowing what frightens people. Um, so even early, early storytelling, fairy tales, they understood this. They understood greed, power, corruption. They understood the desire for security, for independence, for control. And I know it kind of sounds a little bit vague, but... Those are your building blocks for a good story. You know, human emotions, human motivations. Um, a really, what actually a really good book that I read, one of the best of this is called, um, I think it's called On Dramatic Writing by Leos Egri, who was a playwright. Um, and so I, th I think understanding those motivations and then just watching a lot of stories, stand up comedy as well, if you can watch good stand up comedians, how they especially the storytelling ones, as opposed to just one-liners. People like Louis C.K., he tells great stories, and you can watch how they build, how they increase tension, and then where the payoff is. Um, and I think just exposing yourself to a lot of good storytellers, you will start to absorb some of those techniques. I think that's um, permission for us to slob off work and watch a lot more TV. That's what I heard. <laughs> Which which means we can ask the Netflix question now. Okay, so what have I been watching? House of oh, Cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I blitzed House of Cards within about two days of it coming out. How awesome is that? Talk about storytelling and not much happening. I think that is that, that should be um, obligatory watching for all new copywriters, I think. It's, yeah, because it, there's so many... Like my friend and I were, were both huge fans of House of Cards. We absolutely love it. But if you watched an episode and then you tried to explain to someone <laughs> what happened in that episode, I would have to say, I'm not quite sure, but it was really good. It was really gripping, but I don't know. Because, yeah. And a lot of that is because I'm not... And it's weird how they're, they're able to do this because I feel like after an episode, I feel like I totally understand American politics until someone would ask me to explain it and then I would have to admit that I've no idea. Yeah, just totally. Then you, then, you, then you watch an episode of like the Vikings or something straight afterwards, and it cleanses the palate, you know, because <laughs> it's a bit more slash and dash. And then you go back to House of Cards. It's all that's the joy of Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, you need a balance. You need a balance. So, <laughs> and another thing that I'm watching at the moment is um, the the spin off series from Breaking Bad. So, Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't digged into that yet. I I like that. That's that's very good storytelling because it's not strictly. Um, it's it's not as dark or as tense as Breaking Bad, but it retains a lot of the humour and a lot of the the, the uh, a lot of the good storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, Breaking Bad was good, wasn't it? And again, I used to watch Breaking Bad followed by an episode of Game Game of Thrones. So again, it was the contrast between the mundane and then the kind of you know incredible. Oh, anyway, we can talk, yeah. talk about Netflix all all night, but we must we must finish. Uh, so yes. I think we were going to ask 
Final tips, wasn't we, Belinda? Yeah, that's it. So something we, we always ask everyone we have a chat to is, do you have any final tips for newbie copywriters? Um, so I was thinking about this, and I I would say don't be afraid of simple. Simple doesn't mean bad copy because some of the some of the worst copy I've seen are from people that are trying to be really exciting. They're trying to artificially inject excitement and intrigue into their content. So this phrase always sticks with me. I It was probably within the first couple of years of me working for myself, and I was rewriting copy for a life coach, and she wasn't happy with her first writer. And initially I thought, oh, does that mean – is she's not going to be happy with me? Does that mean she's a difficult client? And then she sent me the content that uh, another writer had written. And I don't know who it was, but the opening line to sell her or to promote her life coaching services was, and I always remember this, do you ever wish that life was like an inverted slippery slide? Wow. Um, yeah, and I, and I get it. You know, I get that the writer was looking for something off the wall, but often the best copy is the kind that conveys in simple in simple terms and straightforward terms what the customer's already thinking about. And very few people are thinking about, God, I just wish life was like an inverted slippery slide. I don't even think I think about slippery slides. I'm, sure I'm trying to picture it in my mind. But yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's the other thing as well. It's like, what does an inverted one look like? This is and so, so I there's you know, genius. I hope you left that. <laughs> I'm going to go Google that and see if it's out there somewhere on the internet. Oh, oh, do you know what? I, and I haven't. And I, and me and my husband, we we chuckle about this, and, and this comes up every now and then. Like if I'm if I'm saying like, oh, I'm just trying to find a way to put it into the right words, and he's like, well, why don't you why don't you write about the inverted slippery slide? Because you know that was really powerful it. writing. If I find it, I'll tweet it to you. I bet someone's using it somewhere out there. If not, I'm going to use it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, definitely take it. And and so I think I think. You know, just remember that sometimes copy is as simple as people feeling frustrated and stuck. And and I think, you know, you can feel like, oh, yeah, but other people have said frustrated. And yes, you want to be creative, but you don't want to go so far away from what you're trying to say so that your copy looks like some abstract painting by Picasso. <laughs> like your customer still has to understand it. It's not supposed to be a riddle. Yeah, don't do the darling. Don't do the darling with your copy. Yeah. That could be our meme. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> no, melting, no melting clocks or inverted slides. Uh, well, that sounds brilliant, Amy. What, what's next on the um, agenda? What, 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 what world domination do you have planned? <laughs> uh, so my my uh, I, uh, about a year and a half ago, I launched Right with Influence, which is my core membership course with with all my training classes inside for copywriting and I'm just moving over to a new platform which will enable me to um, just do a lot more with it so that is going on feverishly behind the scenes and then and then I think I've got a, I've got a I've a few talks coming up I, I'm in Vancouver at the call to action conference in June and then I'm in Estonia I don't know anything about wow. Estonia, but apparently I'm going there in July. Um, and then I may be in the Netherlands later this year, at uh, mostly talking at conversion copywriting conferences. Uh, so it's, yeah, so just like we were saying before, it's, it's a juggle of my own thing, which is, you know, right with influence. That's what I'm really passionate about. And I'm looking forward to getting that onto a platform where I can really get it out to a lot more people. 
and then talking and also the client projects that I've got at the moment, um, the writing uh, copy that I'm doing. It sounds like you're going to be very busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no time for Netflix, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Just put that back. <laughs> well, thanks very much for spending some of your very precious time with us, Amy, and for getting up early. We know it's um, early in the UK. We really, really appreciate it. You've shared some fantastic tips. I think our listeners are going to be, I think this might be a favourite, actually. Oh, well, I've had a lot of fun doing it. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, we've got all your social media links. We'll put these in the show notes. Your right link to your Right With Influence. We've got you on YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Oh, we'll have a link to um, the Hit Publish podcast. And I think we can try and link to the Women's Hour and the Archers just to let people know what they, what else is on the podcast land that they should be listening to. <laughs> I think they should put the shipping forecast on a podcast. I used to love that. I miss it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's they, still, they still do it. Well, they should do. They're still ships. I've explained to Melinda later. She won't understand. No, no, I do. I lived in the UK for four years, remember? Oh, did you used to listen to it? Yeah, I just, I couldn't. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't recognise any of this as language. It's just words yeah. and tone. I, I don't, yeah, it never made any sense to me. I just remember the shipping forecast makes me think of long journeys in the car because my parents yeah. would love to listen to Radio 4. And I remember, I remember the two things I remember is the, the beeps at the top of the hour, which would always wake you up if you were just as you were nodding off uh, in the back seat as a kid. And then the other thing from the shipping forecast is silly automatic. That's the only name I can remember. <laughs> yeah. It was all like that bang Yorkshire pudding for thank you very much as usual we love to end the show with a review from one of our fantastic listeners now we both know this chap in england kate it's derek etherton and he said great copywriting series so far the hosts present very well although they sound like they're having way too much fun we are Derek they're certainly enthusiastic about the subject as a newbie copywriter it's great hearing how the two hosts as well as their guests approach various aspects of the craft there's always a few takeaways that make me think that's different I must try that I'm looking forward to many more episodes and thank you Derek we really appreciate you taking the time to leave that review for us and thanks to you for listening if you like the show don't forget to leave us a rating review it's not only good for us it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside but it helps other copywriters find the show and we might just leave read your review out on the show and give you a shout out in the process now if you have any thoughts and comments about what you've heard today you can head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode so until next time thanks kate thanks belinda happy writing Glitter is clown herpes. <laughs> well, that was genius. <laughs>